Hello, I'm Kyle Dyer, and welcome to Colorado Inside Out on this Friday, September 22nd. This week has brought the start of one of three trials tied to the death of Elijah McLean in Aurora. His death during an arrest in 2019 led to changes in policing in Colorado. And we will be watching how the testimony unfolds in this trial. Meanwhile, Colorado Inside Out has also been keeping an eye on some of our elected leaders and some leaders who are not elected. So let me lead now with the introduction of our panel for this week. Patty Calhoun, founder and editor of Westward, and Krista Kafer, columnist with the Denver Post. Eric Sonderman, columnist for Colorado Politics and the Colorado Springs and Denver Gazettes, and Amber McReynolds, a leading expert in this country on election administration and policy, and also former director of elections for the city and county of Denver. We are starting off this week where we finished last week. When Patty brought up her disappointment of the week, and since then, even more has transpired regarding Colorado Congressman Lauren Boebert being escorted out of the Buell Theater. Patty, let's start. Well, it's been fascinating to watch this snowball, especially as more video comes out. You know, a week ago, I was lamenting the fact that Denver Theater is so active, and this is the most publicity Denver Theater has ever gotten around the world, which is too bad, given all the great productions people put on. But now what's fascinating to watch is who's taking which side with Bobert and speculating about her date, her very handsy date, according to recent video, who's a Democrat from Aspen. So you wonder, is he a friend of Adam Frisch? Is he a Democratic operative who was put up to the task? Because truly, I think there's a certain segment of the Republican Party that has been sticking with Bobert, but this bad behavior and really pathetic apology where she blames a, her marriage breaking up. I don't see that everyone who has a marriage breakup, which is the majority of the people in this country, then goes and sings and vapes and gets handsy at Beetlejuice. I mean, I think most people are able to refrain from that. You know, it's not just what she did, it's the complete lack of shame. So I remember, you know, Bill Clinton, Newt Gingrich, all of those guys that did stupid things, immoral things, had the grace when asked about it to kind of, you know, look down like, um, you know, maybe, oh, I got caught, you know, maybe, whether they were sorry or not. Here we have Lauren Boebert, you know, she's on TV saying, oh, it was my animated personality that got me kicked out. I'm like, maybe your animated hands, but definitely it's not, you know, th there, there's something egregious. There were people in that, there was a sold out show. Kids were in that audience. And yet she behaves like that and has the indecency to not show any shame, like, you know, I was drunk, I, I shouldn't have done that, none of that. Just, I'm animated. I, I think it is, uh, it's yet another uh, blemish on her record, and you know, I, I'm, I'm glad she was having a ball, but the fact is, is that I think it's gonna hurt her come primary. Well, you mentioned kids. She's already been taken out of the lineup for a, a national youth summit where she was supposed to speak. A uh, National Conservative Youth Summit in, in Texas. You're, you're right. Christy used the words lack of shame, and uh, those words are right. I'm not sure I'd use uh, Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich as paragons of remorse, but that's a, a, a separate day, a separate topic. I mean, I, I got a kick out of Howard Stern, of all people, referring to her as, quote, a disgrace to the country. I mean, if there's somebody who makes a living off of disgrace, it's probably Howard Stern, and Lauren Boebert even takes it too far for him. I spent some time last day or two on social media, particularly among some of her followers and fan club over on the Western Slope, and I had two takeaways. One, they were largely defending Lauren, 
as if she can do no wrong. But two, they were almost talking about her in the past tense. They were expecting her to be defeated in the coming election. They were sort of very down in the mouth about her political prospects. And when your friends are starting to think that the gig is up, maybe the gig is up. A recent report showed that Congresswoman Boebert is the only member of the Colorado congressional delegation who doesn't have bipartisan support for any of her bills, Amber. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting report that came out. Our Colorado delegation, and led really by Hickenlooper, Bennett, Nagus, Crow, and, and Buck, um, all of them have the most bipartisan bills so it, it listed. She was the only member of the delegation that has has no bipartisan legislation. And, you know, it, it, when you're elected into a congressional seat or any elected office, you're not only representing the people that vote for you, but you're representing the entire district and you're representing the entire community that you serve. And um, so it's just unfortunate to see that we have one of our of our. Um, of our delegates that that chooses to kind of act in, a, in an, obviously a very hyper-partisan way. Um, and then I, of course, you know, Colorado has so many amazing things that we should be proud of, and it's just, to me, very unfortunate that, that this story has uh, gotten so much attention because it's certainly not representative of, the, of, of Coloradans. Mm -hmm. So, panel, we have received an email from one of our viewers, Ed in Denver, who said, the only reason that we are talking about what happened at Beetlejuice is that it includes Congresswoman Boebert. And he asserts that she is the least favorite Republican at this table. Okay. And he asks, imagine if that same incident occurred involving a Democrat. Would we still be talking about this? Yes. Oh, my God. That's what Ed questions. If it were Diana DeGette, first of all, we'd all fall over in a faint to see her <laughs> acting that way. But, of course, that would get headlines. If it were... I mean, any of the congressional delegation, and it was caught on tape that way, and video was leaked, which it was initially, and you're refusing to stop vaping because a pregnant woman is behind you, that's bad behavior for any politician. And yes, it would get as much coverage. And if you're going to be like the family values person and go around, and you know, I remember her in her primary debate calling Don Corum a groomer, which is absurd. Uh, you're going to go around saying things like that. The very least you can do is at least try to act the part in your own private life. And let's bring up another Democrat, Gary Hart with Go Ahead and Follow Me, which is not exactly what he said it turned out, but hypocrisy and dares, that is something that be the media is always going to follow. And now the public does it on social media. They don't even need journalists to tell them what to think. Mm -hmm. All right. Good answers for Ed. Thank you. A lawsuit that uh, seeks to keep former President Donald Trump off Colorado's presidential primary ballot in Colorado is ex expected to go before a judge at the end of October on the 30th. It is a lawsuit, Krista, that has your name associated with it. How did this come about and how have the last couple of weeks been like? Uh, when approached uh, with this lawsuit and did I want to be a part of it, I asked myself if, if a Democrat had tried to overturn an election had tried to cajole and intimidate election workers, had been lying about the results and, and pushing misinformation and, and fooling a lot of people, including some really good people. Um, if that person then fomented a mob that attacked the Capitol and then delayed action to address it and then promised to pardon the people that had attacked our Capitol. And keep in mind why they were attacking. They were trying to stop the democratic process. They were trying to stop the results of an election. Um, that's against democracy. And I asked myself, if a Democrat did that, um, how, would I want Democrats to do something about it? 
And of course the answer is yes, I would want that. And so as a Republican, I can't ask of others um, and, and then and say, well, yeah, they should do something if that happened. If, I, if it is within my power to do what is right, I need to do that. Really, it, it's about getting this adjudicated. It's about looking at the law. It's about rule of law. It's about looking at the Constitution, the 14th Amendment. Does this apply? Given his actions, uh, should he not be able to run again um, without having a vote in Congress? That's what the 14th Amendment says. And I think this adjudication is important regardless of, of you know, of, of what happens in the end, it's something that needs to be heard. It's something that demands to be heard. And so, uh, come what may, I am. I'm. I was. I was glad to join that effort. Yes, this thing should be litigated. It should be adjudicated. To use Krista's word, I. And I go back to the second impeachment of Donald Trump. And if Mitch McConnell had not lost his nerve and had been able to bring a few other Republicans along, that was the proper forum to put an end once and for all in the immediate aftermath of January 6th to Trump's political viability. In this situation, there is such a constituency out there in, the, in this country who views Donald Trump as a martyr and they view themselves as martyrs on behalf of Donald Trump. And I fear that if this lawsuit is successful, that it will only accelerate that. The number, there are two imperatives we face as a country right now. One is to keep Donald Trump the heck away from the Oval Office ever again. But an equally important second imperative is to reinvest a whole lot of people in American democracy, in the American experiment, into having faith in our system, no matter its flaws. And I worry that this is counterproductive in that regard. Uh, the Colorado Republican Party's uh, Central Committee is set to meet the next Saturday, Saturday the 30th. It's going to consider pulling out of the March presidential primary and instead choose the Republican general election candidates through, you know, an in-house process. Amber, as someone who lives and breathes for elections, when you hear this, you think? Well, it's um, clearly an affront to our, the voting process, to the voters of Colorado, and to democracy broadly. So I also actually helped pass the, the presidential primary legislation and the, the ballot issue. Voters actually voted for this in Colorado by a wide margin. So this isn't you know, the voters have chosen and decided to change our laws to to be open for them to participate in, uh, to have a presidential primary as opposed to the, the closed caucus that existed before. So the Republican Party, with the rules changes, or the leadership at the, with the rules changes that they're proposing, is literally telling Colorado voters, we don't care what you think, and we're going to do it the way we want to do it. And so, and, and also there's rules that involve even leaving people out of the Central Committee and not being able to participate. So it's, it's an affront to voters, it's an affront to Coloradans, it's an affront to democracy. And I, again, I, I, I've said this before, I think it's a politically stupid strategy if you intend to try to win a general election. Uh, anything that you do to try to leave out the majority the, the large majority of Coloradans now that are in fact independent and want to participate, want to have a voice, and also pay for the elections, it's, it's bad. Well, you can see that we, we have a major problem with the Republican Party in this state. It is not robust because you have people fleeing it. You have the growth of the affiliated groups, which is great. But as Amber points out, we voted to have that primary. And it's ironic, of course, that Colorado's primary is the day after the Trump first Trump trial is scheduled to start. But 
this state, and of course the whole country, is better with two robust parties. You keep people honest. You get people new interested in the political process. I think you would see a lot of people joining a Republican Party, newcomers to Colorado, if it weren't such a closed door, um, closed-minded group. And this is really disheartening to see that there is a move afoot to even cut off people more. Democrats need a robust Republican Party to stay honest. The unaffiliates, I think a lot of them would like to get involved with party politics, but they don't like either party right now. Speaking of trying to have robust elections, when it comes to voting, the latest census data shows that uh, one in four eligible Americans is not registered to vote. Amber, I know you know, Tuesday was National Voter Registration Day. Have you heard? How did it go? It was amazing. Um, and so the preliminary results show that more um, registrations were filed on Tuesday than in previous uh, years. And I think a lot of it actually is due to a story that came out this morning um, about Taylor Swift. So um, Taylor Swift posted uh, and encouraged all of her followers on Tuesday to go to um, a voter registration website and she used the frame, you know, the framing that I know you all have powerful voices, you've been using them at all my concerts, please go and make sure you're registered to vote. And the site that she referenced had uh, 13,000 hits every 30 minutes for hours on Tuesday. So, um, so Taylor Swift, you know, continues to be an economic boom for this country and she also has a, a, a big way of influencing and encouraging people to participate in, in civics. So, amazing. That is good. Mm -hmm. That is good. With the uh, recent release of Denver Mayor Johnson's budget plan, we are seeing beyond what he wants to do for housing the homeless in our city, including what he proposes for bringing people back into downtown with a $50 million uh, reinvestment plan for this, the downtown area. And Eric, there's also money aimed at improving safety as well. Safety is a huge concern. Yeah, I think it, with this budget, we're starting to see Mike Johnston's broader plans and broader approach here, not just to the homelessness issue, but to the full responsibilities of his office. On the safety front, good for him for budgeting to get the Denver Police Department back up to full strength or even a slightly above full strength. Uh, Lord knows that is needed. On the safety issue, I want to move real quickly to Denver Public Schools because the superintendent there basically has poo-pooed the whole safety issue, has said that in all of his outreach and discussions with people within and outside the district, it doesn't rise to the level of a top concern. His quote, Superintendent Marrero, quote, the reality is our schools have been and continue to be safe and secure. Tell that to the parents and uh, students at East High School. Tell that to parents and students throughout the district. He is defending what in my mind is just dead wrong, which is the idea that students, even students with an attempted murder charge that they are facing, still have a home in mainstream Denver public schools. Uh, the city's grown significantly. We can see and feel those growth pressures uh, every day with traffic and, and getting around. And that's one of the big you know, things that I hope that there's a focus on is the, the not only the reinvestment and kind of building out more businesses and attracting more um, uh, commerce in the city, but also just the mobility of getting around the city as a worker, as someone you know who has to go in and commute in and be at city buildings and serve the public. You know, there's got to be good solutions to make sure people can get to their jobs and and move around easily when they go to lunch and 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 get back. So, I mean, the mobility piece is a big one. 
Well, and of course, the crime isn't just in Denver. You did have the extraordinary uh, instance where there was a mass shooting by a woman outside the Dirk Bentley nightclub. And that is, there are not a lot of mass shootings by women. Um, Five victims hospitalized. No one died from that. But we also have violence, unexpected violence, in the suburbs. In Arapahoe County, where you had a recent refugee who was carjacked and killed. So he... Arapahoe County. So it is not just downtown Denver. In fact, we've studied the stats over the years. Let out time is always bad in downtown Denver. When the clubs let out, people prey on it, on other people. But the violence is in surrounding areas now too. And you and obviously Johnston can't do a lot about Arapahoe County, but. Raising the police force is good. Getting more people downtown will at least make people feel better. But there are other amenities. Amber mentions, you know, mobility. The fact that we've lost hundreds of parking places downtown does not make it easier to get downtown. And of course, you can't take the mall bus. You have to go on detours on the mall bus too. So there's a big move next week. My Denver, which is a big event downtown, and the Chamber of Commerce is having an event to talk about how to bring downtown back. The most important thing is to go downtown, realize the most dangerous thing you might find if you're going to the theater is Lauren Boebert. (laughs) That conversation's not ending, is it? No. 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 Not for a while. (laughs) Uh, You know, we have some really amazing cultural assets downtown. We've got uh, the Denver Center for Performing Arts. We have a couple of uh, fantastic museums. We've got a great zoo. We have uh, an amazing uh, botanic garden. Um, and I'll go downtown for those things, but I don't go downtown anymore for, for a dinner. It's, it's the homeless encampments. It's the begging. It's the, you know, the potential for violence. I, I would rather go anywhere else but downtown to spend my money. And so while I appreciate that the mayor is setting aside money for security and, and for police, as long as we have vagrants and beggars, that is going to put pressure on businesses to close. And that's going to mean that people you know, like me are going to say, you know, let, let's go over here to Pearl Street or let's go up uh, to um, uh, downtown Littleton, some other cute, you know, kind of cute main street where we can enjoy ourselves, shop, go to dinner. Um, but let's let's just skip downtown until that's addressed. So I, I guess I'll believe it when I see it. Okay. All right. On Wednesday this week, the University of Colorado Buffs head football coach Deion Sanders was on Good Morning America on Sunday, 60 Minutes profiled Coach Prime. And 60 Minutes never does an interview on the same person or subject two years in a row. But they profiled him with his former team last year and then, of course, what is happening uh, here in our state. Amber, the attention you cannot deny that our state is getting right now. It's amazing, and I watched the 60 Minutes interview. I'm also the mom of a 10-year-old boy who, uh, number one, drinks the non-caffeinated drink called Prime and then is is very um, enthralled by Coach Prime and just the message he delivered to 60 Minutes, you know, is really quite amazing for young people to hear. And, you know, it's about the drive and the the sort of innovative approach that he has and how he's getting the, the team excited. And you can feel the excitement. Um, I do think he needs his own prime drink, just like the Dodgers have their own prime drink that's labeled for him. So that's prime can figure that out and work with him to do that because um, I think that would be a bestseller for sure for 10-year-old boys uh, around Colorado. Amazing that 60 Minutes, it was on, the game wasn't even over, what, 18 hours earlier because it went into the double overtime. But 
He is getting a lot of attention. He's bringing attention to CU. He certainly does not hide his business opportunities. He has no problem talking about his family being involved. He has no problem talking about his religion. He's up front. That is really refreshing. It's um, a fascinating thing to follow. And even though he wears the sunglasses and his hat when he talks to his mother, he did immediately say, quit bad-mouthing, you know, quit threatening the CSU player who had knocked over his player. So he is not afraid to take the offensive on those. Mm -hmm. I'm glad he spoke up right mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. Right. Krista. I'm not a sports person, and yet I follow Coach Prime on, on Twitter um, because he's really inspirational. Yep. And, and he's really is. gracious. So, you know, the incident with uh, the taking out the, you know, probably the best player, um, but then imploring people, hey, you, you know, you don't need to be threatening this, this young person. Um, and I love that even though he loves winning, he really does see the big picture, that this is about young people and about pursuing their dreams and that um, we need to be encouraging all of these young people. It's not, it, you know, it, in, in part, winning game is great, but it really is about helping people be the best that they can be. And I, I just think he's an inspiration. Coach Prime is a very different character. I have done my own transition in watching him. When his hiring was first announced, I was wondering if he was just going to use CU as a stepping stone. The, the whole bling and the whole persona sort of put me off. And then as I've dug deeper into it, watched the 60 Minutes interview and whatever, um, first of all, he is a rallying cry to black America, and we should not forget that. Uh, the coaching business, particularly at the college level, has been a good old white boy's uh, province for a very long time, whether it's Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler or Nick Saban or run the list of them. And he has a different concept, and by God, he's proving that concept. Yes. All right. Thank you. Let's uh, now talk about some of the highs and the lows of this week. Patty, as always, uh, as always will start us off with something that disappointed you. Well, you started the show with a mention of it, the Elijah McClain case. Oh. We are looking now after four years, more than four years after he was killed, this young, pretty innocent kid, if you listen to him talking on these tapes, it is heartrending, and that it has taken this long to get any kind of justice, and the cover-ups that were initially involved are just horrifying. CPR is doing a great job if you want to listen to that. It's going to come as a shock to you, um, but I am disappointed with the Colorado GOP. <laughs> and uh, I get, you know, Amber did a, it did a great uh, job descri describing what they're trying to do um, with the Central Committee and the upcoming meeting and to deny members the ability to vote if they're not there. Um, and I think we need to look at their end game, which is they want to cut out um, independence because they want a really conservative, hardcore, how at the loon, how at the moon lunatics uh, on the ballot, and it'll only further more marginalize that party. So um, shame of the week goes to them. Okay, Eric. I'm going to go to DIA, Denver International Airport. There was an announcement this week that there is a new venture called DEN Travel Assist, where for $59, they will help you navigate your way through this airport. Uh, I guess I admire the entrepreneurial spirit, and somebody's making a buck here, but the notion that this airport is so complicated and such a mess that it is worth somebody spending 
59, call it 60 bucks, to have a attendant help them get their way through the airport says a lot. I don't want Colorado be, to be known for bad things. So the case, uh, as Patty talked about in Aurora, it's just it just highlights, um, you know, this this poor boy who lost his life for for no reason. Um, then you have the death threats against the football player um, from from CSU for for uh, the bad hit. Then you have the the actions of one of our congressional delegation at the in one of our public spaces. So I, I none of the I don't want Colorado to be known for the lows. Me neither. Okay. Positive. Well, I, ha I hesitate to say anything nice about a Johnston appointment because then people always call me and say mm -hmm. that person is really horrible. But I will say Adam Paul, the Lakewood, uh, Lakewood mayor, who's joining Michael Johnston's team to talk about regionalism. It's critical. I drove past Alma's encampment, not downtown, but at 225. The shooting in Aurora, the, the um, in Arapahoe County, the carjacking. We have regional issues, and it's great that Ann Paul has been brought in to work with other areas. You know, I, I want to commend the 300 professors and historians that wrote a letter about Patty Limerick, who was let go for, we don't know why, from, the, uh, from her post at CU, the center that she developed on the American West. And I, I just kudos to them for having her back. Ken Buck is as conservative as they come in his ideology, but he's also a man of honor and a man of principle when it came time to certify the election results on January 6th, uh, three years ago. He was the only Colorado member of Congress, Republican, to vote yes. Lamborn and Boebert voted no. More recently, even though he's part of the Freedom Caucus, which is pushing this impeachment move, uh, he has come out and basically said, show me the evidence. You have not yet produced any evidence. Good for Ken Buck for standing by conservative principles, but also being principled. My high is pop culture's impact on politics. So we, talk, we just talked about Coach Prime. I think a lot of politicians could learn a lot from him if they, if they spend some time listening to him. Um, the impact Taylor Swift had on young people on Tuesday with simply a few social media posts is significant. So I think, you know, we, all, we kind of talk about politics, but there are so many other uh, influences and impacts that can really be positive. It's civic. We're all in this together, right? That's right. Okay. My pause of this week has to do with another color leader, the leader of the pack, I guess I should say, who deserves huge kudos. While a lot of focus is on football these days, we want to say congrats to Durango cyclist Sepkas, who became the first American to win a Grand Tour bike in a bike race in a decade in Madrid this past week. So, gosh, that's wonderful. In the spirit of this weekend's Great American Beer Festival, even though this is water, cheers to him. Cheers to our panelists and to you at home. Thanks so much for watching at, at home or on your device or listening to our podcast. We appreciate you. And thanks again to Ed of Denver and all the viewers who are writing into us. I am Kyle Dyer. I will see you next week here on PBS 12.